Welcome to season two of the Podcast Pioneers podcast, Engagements, Conversations, and Connections. I'm Jeremy Shatton. I'm the program manager for the Podcast Pioneers Toastmasters Club. And I'm very pleased to have with me now Jim Shearer. Jim is somebody I met through the Beastie Boys fan community because even though I was almost in the Beastie Boys, he's a bigger fan of the band than I am. He loves the Beastie Boys. And, and it, I actually love them more because of the way he loves them. <laughs> so Jim is also a media professional. He was on VH1 as a VJ for 13 years and in recent years has been a voice on Sirius XM Radio. I've actually been on his game show on Sirius XM, and it's a blast. I won big one time, too. It was great. Jim has also been doing a podcast for well over a decade dedicated to telling the stories of the Beastie Boys and his relationship to their music, and it's always a great listen. He also used to do a podcast that I love talking about pop music with one of the guitarists from Minor Threat. That was a lot of fun. So, Jim, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm I'm glad to return the favor because I've had you on my podcast. <laughs> you were on my game show, I believe, multiple times. Yeah. Don't talk yourself down. You played a perfect game. In the history <laughs> of 70s, 80s, 90s now, there were only two people who played a perfect game. The other guy, it was for a specialty Beatles episode. So I felt like that was easier to get a perfect game than the one you did. Well, I was just in the zone. I could not be stopped. <laughs> What can I say? There's a lot of information in this brain. No, that's good. That's Sometimes good. Sometimes it comes out at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, I wanted to talk to you a bit about your media career and how we can give insight into the different ways that these media outlets function that you've worked with. Television, radio, podcasting. What are the differences and interrelations? And maybe you could also talk just a little bit about how you got there what was your road to vh1 so i started at mtv2 so i moved to new york city in 2001 and i loved mtv2 and at that point in time i hated mtv because they would rarely show music videos but mtv2 started and they played 24 7 music videos like the original mtv so I had sent them homemade audition tapes because whenever I saw MTV2, I noticed that they didn't have any personalities. Later, I found out they did. They had Jancy Dunn. They had Matt Pinfield. They had Chris Booker. So I had sent in audition tapes. And then one day I was temping and I went to their website and it said that they were having an open audition. Wow. So I went to the open audition and that sort of started the whole process. Amazing. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't nail it because the first audition sucked. <laughs> and the story goes is that Lou Stilato, who was the executive produ producer of MTV2, he's like, did you look at this Jim Shear guy? He sent in an audition tape. And they're like, yeah, he was no good. <laughs> and he's like, well, give him another shot. And then my second audition was better than my first audition. Mm. And I think I had seven different auditions. Like it took wow. seven or eight months before I finally got the gig. 
And had you had media training? Is that what you studied in school? Communications? Or I was I was a comm student, and I hosted my own music video show in college, but I had no professional training. But I was on the college radio station, so, mm -hmm. so I had been in front of a microphone before and yeah. in front of a camera before, too. Great. And through that experience, you got to meet a lot of your heroes. And if you ever have a chance to drill down into the YouTube rabbit hole of Jim Shearer, <laughs> on VH1. I mean, he's always entertaining and just so full of energy. That's one thing that struck me about him as soon as I met him. Do you have to temper that energy when you're on screen in a different way than you do when you're just a voice? You know what? Sometimes my energy people liked. And then I was on a morning show called VH1 Big Morning Buzz Live, which I think started at nine o'clock in the morning. So almost every week they would say, eh, like, you're a little too energetic, like calm down a little bit. But I was excited because I got to introduce bands as they were performing live, like right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, pretty tough to calm down about. The Doobie Brothers came in one day. I'm like, ah, the Doobie <laughs> Brothers. Like, hey, shh, not, not so excited. Not so excited. Oh, black water. <laughs> <laughs> great song but so i guess you learned as you went along probably did you watch yourself after you taped stuff to kind of get a feel for what it was looking like to the audience all the time and i actually for seven years i've taught a course at fordham university called mm. performance for broadcast media so we go through all of that in the course. So yeah. we do a video every week. And then I say, you got to watch it, watch yeah. it, watch. You have to watch it at least three times because mm -hmm. there's so much things you pick up on when you watch it back. And I've yeah. heard performers say that they can never watch themselves on camera. And to me, that's insane because you pick up so many little things that you need to work on. I remember one time I was interviewing Selma Hayek and I thought it was a great interview. I watched it back and I counted I said the word okay 16 different times in a two minute span. So watching it back, I thought, all right, I gotta like cut okay out of my repertoire. Yeah. Well, one of the things we say in Toastmasters is awareness is the key. <laughs> we have a meeting where at the end of the meeting, somebody tells you all the times you said, ah, uh, um, er. So it's just, then you're aware of it because it's actually more distracting to do those sounds than to just be silent. Yes. That's what I teach my students. Yeah. The only reason we say um is to buy time. So if you're if you're saying to yourself, I went to the grocery store um because I'm really hungry, you can just cut out the um and say, I went to the grocery store because I'm really hungry. Exactly. You'd be a great Toastmaster. <laughs> <laughs> so you're working at MTV, VH1. The times start to change right at the channel i mean yeah did you did they let you go did the place just kind of close down that area of things of having the live presenters or did you just feel like you'd been there long enough no i i would still be working there i mean <laughs> i got i got paid to introduce music videos on television it was the greatest <laughs> job ever it sounds like fantasy coming out of my <laughs> mouth but i had a contract and it was a three-year deal TV kind of had nasty contracts, at least MTV and VH1 always did, because they would sign you for three years, but they could dump you after every year. So if they mm. didn't like you after one year, they could get rid of you, but they could rope you in for three years. So my contract was up 
and they replaced me with a YouTuber who lasted six months and then they canceled the show and then everyone got fired. And I know one person now who works at VH1. And then did you transition to radio from there or you had a bunch of things in between? So I was in limbo for a year and a half. And then an old contact at MTV gave me a call because he was starting a music talk station on Sirius XM. And then that's how I became part of Sirius XM volume, which mm. became, which was kicked off of the XM band last year is not, and is now just a, um, like a digital app. It's part of the app. Gotcha. Yeah. So had you started the podcast in between there? Was that like something to do to like keep your skills up or did that come later? Or so the Beastie Boys, pod, so the Beastie Boys podcast, I started while I was at VH1. Wow. And the only reason I started it is because there wasn't a Beastie Boys podcast. So I thought, oh, I, I should probably start one. Yeah. And I, I did. And that was in the days of podcasts on iPods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the coolest thing is that the last time that I saw the late great Adam Yauk, he talked to me about the podcast and he actually listened to the podcast. So it's wow, cool doing amazing. the podcast today because I'm doing a Beastie Boys podcast that Adam Yauk once listened to. Yeah. That's an incredible legacy. Adam was the much loved bass player and rapper for the Beastie Boys. A really great guy, a fascinating person that I knew very well for a brief period of time as as a teenager, and then went watched him soar into the universe with the other two. So really fascinating journey those guys took. But so you started the podcast. What did you bring to it from the VH1 experience and what did you leave at the door? So everything I did on TV was two minutes or less. And for the podcast, I would have half hour, one hour episodes. Mm. So I just got to talk longer and dig deeper on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I would have guests come into the VH1 Top 20 Video Countdown, and I could only interview them for two minutes. Wow. It's like, ah, like we would have multiple segments, but within yeah. each segment, it was only two minutes long. So it was tough to fit in all your questions yeah. in that short of time. And then, but when you're speaking about, about something for an hour, even if you have a guest, how did you structure that? Did you, you know, I've heard people say, well, your podcast should have two minutes or less and then a break of 30 seconds and then two minutes. Like, do you follow any of those precepts or do you just- No, I do, I do try to structure it almost like a TV show where there are little segments. Cause if you listen to my podcast, The Brew Haha, I will take breaks and just play little interstitials. Mm -hmm. And that would sort of serve as the commercial break. Cause I think it would be tough if you just heard me talking about the Beastie Boys for 60 minutes straight. So I think there needs to be like a, a break in the action to make yeah. it interesting. Yeah. And then similarly with your TV experience, did you then listen back? And figure out how to make them better or did you rely on yes oh yes yeah, yeah. i i couldn't because for my television segments i would watch those over and over and over again but a podcast is usually 45 minutes to an hour long so mm -hmm. i would only listen to that one time and take mental notes in my head right and what did you do to improve yourself as you went along same thing yeah. there um i listened back recently and I think I said, right? 
So I would be giving these monologues and I would ask the audience, right? <laughs> Which is fine, but I think I said right 10 different times. So I'm like, all right, I've got to eliminate right or just cut back on the rights. Yeah, I just, just rebooted my podcast, Discover Music with an Earful. And I take the first episode, I'm doing it in a more casual way rather than being so structured. But obviously there's pauses in between. But at the end, I was like, I think I said fantastic like 15 times <laughs> in a 16 minute podcast. You know, every album is fantastic, but they are. They're, you know, so. But here's a question. Like, here's a question, Jeremy. Do you think the listener picks up on that? Or do you think we just pick <clears throat> up on it because we're really analyzing it closely? So much more aware. I think what they pick up on more is your enthusiasm, the name of the band the type of music it is, is something they want to follow up on or not. So I don't think it matters all that much, but you kind of have to please yourself. So I think yeah. I'll, I'm going to try to come up with a few different superlatives when I take my okay. next episode. Because <laughs> I had a student this semester, we watched back their segment and I said, oh, that was great. And she said, did you notice that I was swallowing the whole time? Because it was a it was a roundtable discussion. And then when mm. I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, you are swallowing. But I totally didn't even pick that up when I watched it. And I had probably seen this segment two or three times by that point. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I think, you know, it's like Hello Cool Jay. When he was doing the Grammys, he was always licking his lips. I don't think anybody ever told him because he never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely noticed, as as did the audience, people would talk about it the next day. Why is he always licking his lips? Get some chapstick, dude. <laughs> but he doesn't lick his lips when he's rapping, though. So I don't know what that's about. Doesn't he? Well, he does in his videos, doesn't he? Oh, maybe he does. Like he'll look to the camera and lick his lips. <laughs> I see when you talk about hygiene products and LL Cool J, I always <laughs> think of deodorant. Do you remember his unplugged performance? <laughs> So he, for that. his MTV Unplugged performance, he was shirtless and he had chunks of deodorant in his armpit. Oh, man. Hair. So it was like a great the... performance, but all I could pay attention to was his armpits. You got to use the clear stuff if you're not wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming near the end here. One last question. Is there any difference between how you operate on the radio and your podcast? Is the radio just a lot more structured? You use the same voice, the same structures of you know sentences and the way you approach an interview than you would on your podcast or is there something slightly different about that i think maybe it's a little more loose on the radio because i wasn't <laughs> doing it with myself so i was always mm -hmm. doing it with a partner yeah so there's always that unpredictable back and forth right. and then when i'm doing the podcast i have bullet points on the side so i'm like i'm gonna hit gotcha. this this and this you bring bullet points to the radio, you might not hit all the bullet points because mm -hmm. the person you're speaking with may right. go off in another direction. Yeah. Great. So before we close out, tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and elsewhere. Well, I'm always asked this question and I kind of feel guilty because I feel like there's so much social media and people have so far less time these days than say 15, 20 years ago. But if you are interested, you can find me at Jim Shear, but you don't need to follow me. If you want to, you can, but you don't have to. And then the, the podcast is called 
the brouhaha. So go to any streaming service, type in Beastie Boys, the brouhaha, and you will find it. And uh, the lovely Jeremy Shatton has been on an episode. Very true. We'll try to put those links in the show notes. And <clears throat> you can find me, Jeremy Shatton, at An Earful on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's An Earful Music. My podcast is called Discover Music with An Earful. My blog is called anearful.blogspot.com. So those are all the places where I talk about music. But before we end, I would be remiss not thanking my guest profusely for taking the time on a busy Wednesday night to be here and also say this has been a production of the Podcast Pioneers Toastmasters Club in District 46 for Season 2, Engagements, Conversations, and Connections. My thanks go out to our club president, Nirja Parang, our vice president of education, Bipin Chandriani, and our designer, Sue Brooks, and me. I'm going to thank myself for being the project yeah, manager. You should. This won't get published without me doing it. Hey, can I so say one thing have. before? Sorry to cut you off during yeah. the close. But one of the most brilliant things you ever said to me is we first met years ago. And I said, how do you say your last name? And you said, rhymes with Manhattan. Jeremy Shatton. Never forgotten. <laughs> it's true. That was in the New York Post. That's how I learned it. <laughs> I hadn't realized it. Well, I think we can end on that note. Thanks again. And I look forward to speaking with you soon.